Welcome into the His and Hers podcast. Today is August 23rd. It is Tuesday, and today we have a fantastic episode for you. We're diving in to our first division preview, and we're starting with our favorite division, the NFC North. Uh, that's right, the one with the Minnesota Vikings, the three-time NFC North champion, Green Bay Packers, the Chicago Dub Bears, and the Detroit Lions of Hard Knocks, Dan Campbell, uh, Man Campbell, Metallica, DC, and just an amazing guy. If you haven't seen any of the Hard Knocks episodes, highly recommend it. Uh, we're going to do this is the first of the eight division previews. We're starting with the NFC North here today, and this is the His and Her podcast. I'm Zach Bennett. Along with my sister Paige, let's get into it. All right, so NFC North, you mentioned the teams. Um, just to give a little history on the NFC North refresher for those who don't live and breathe Minnesota Vikings football. Um, Green Bay Packers have been the division champs for the past three years, 2019, 20, and 21. Um, 2018, the Bears won it, and 2017 was the last time that the Vikings won it. Um, you have to go back quite a ways to ever see the Detroit Lions even in there, so it's not even worth kind of talking about. Um, this this division for the past while has been basically Green Bay Packers owning it, Vikings being a pain in their side a little bit throughout the season, um, and this year is looking to be a little bit similar. Um, just because we've got Vikings, Bears, and Lions who are all, all in like kind of a rebuilding phase. The Packers have a lot of their core still there, especially the key being Aaron Rodgers. Um, so then we'll move to the Vikings. Uh, I'll try to be as unbiased as I can with the Vikings predictions. Uh, Zach and I will always have uh, more hope than we probably should with the Vikings, and that'll most likely come out a lot of the time. Um, but the Vikings have, I think, an exciting year ahead of them. Um, obviously with the new... Uh, coach in Kevin O'Connell. Zimmer's gone. Zimmer was there for a really long time. Um, and I think that we can tell, like, the Vikings just needed a mix-up. They needed someone new, someone not as old-school football. We need a new school football-minded coach, and we've got that in Kevin O'Connell. It'll be exciting to see how him and Kirk Cousins work together um, in terms of communication, because him and Zimmer uh, did not get along, to say the least. No. Um, and then got some great additions on defense going from a 4-3 to a 3-4. So that should be, it's exciting to see what the Vikings will do this year. I think they have a lot of opportunity to capitalize. Then we've got the Bears. Um, all of the, I think the Bears season basically rides on Justin Fields and what he looks like. Last year, obviously, with a uh, veteran quarterback that kind of started out the season, we didn't see a ton of Justin Fields action. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see with Justin Fields actually having control of that football team um, from the very first game, what he's able to do. Obviously, not a lot of trust in the Bears, but I don't think it's going to be like this horribly dire season. I think that they still have a lot of good players that could potentially it all rides on Justin Fields for me with that. Then the Lions, uh, obviously the Lions have been kind of a joke um, in the NFL for a long time. Last year, they did beat the Vikings in a really ridiculous upset. They stomped the Cardinals. And I think that that was just kind of a little determinant of Dan Campbell's style of coaching that last year they didn't have as many key players as they have now. And I think that um, with the additions that they have, I think, and the schedule, the Lions schedule is not terrible this year. And so I could see the Lions um, being kind of the thorn in the side for a lot of teams, kind of the team that people don't expect to lose to, but then they'll end up losing to. 
um, just with the additions that they have. One of the best wide receivers. I think Jared Goff's going to get a little bit more comfortable um, with the team and with the lineup, and that we'll see him play a little bit better football this year. Yeah, no, I think um, that's a really good kind of general preview uh, or I guess review of what the division's sitting at. We'll start at the top of the Minnesota Vikings or at the top of our minds, more like it. Minnesota Vikings are currently sitting at plus 275 to win the division, uh, which essentially spend a hundred bucks. We could win $27 in that bet if they ended up winning the division. Um, the Vikings, as Paige, you kind of mentioned, always have been the team where um, they aren't ever the Green Bay's uh, just easy couple wins, especially with Aaron Rodgers. They typically split with the Packers. They've won the division three times, you know, in the last 10 years. I think the Packers have won it six and then the Bears won it once in the last 10 years. So obviously still the Packers division, but the Vikings have constantly always been a team that competes with them pretty well and gives them a good um, you know, run for the money. The one thing about the Vikings, so you, you mentioned the the influx of like a breath of fresh air when it comes to Kevin O'Connell and the juice that he brings into the building. Uh, and in, with that type of talent on the offensive side of the football, as long as their defense isn't the, the worst historically of the last two minutes, I think that the Vikings will find themselves in, the, in a good position. And it's not even an exaggeration that it's, I think, over the last 50 years, uh, giving up points in the last two minutes of East half, there was like 656 teams and the Vikings were 656. They gave up the most amount of points before the end of the half and the end of games, and they lost a lot of football games that way. Uh, you look at their additions, Darius Smith on the defensive line, um, and, you know, bringing back Patrick Peterson, who actually played pretty well. you got Cam Dantzler, who looks like he's going to take another step. Um, and they're figuring out their safety rotation with Harrison Smith. Cam Bynum look, showed some flashes last year as well. I think there's a lot of optimism on the Vikings side that Justin Jefferson is going to take a next step, take that Cooper Cup role from the Sean McVay-style offense, which is where um, Kevin O'Connell, you know, credits a lot of his success to last year winning a Super Bowl with the Rams. But I'll tell you the reason I'm high on the Vikings, because, you know, the NFL football in general is all about belief. If you believe that you can win, that's why you see teams like the Bengals come out of nowhere, because they win a few games, big games, have a big couple big moments, and all of a sudden they're rolling. So week one, September 11th, the Vikings play at home, which is big against the Green Bay Packers. That's who they open with. Why is it important they open with them? Because uh, Aaron Rodgers – that new receiving core. They got Sammy Watkins, um, they, you know, Christian Watson, they drafted from North Dakota State. Uh, and, and they got uh, Lazard, who's kind of their guy who they think might take that next step. But if, when you lose Devontae Adams, you lost the number one receiver in football. It's hard to replace or replicate that type of success. So what I look at is they open with the Packers. Then they're on the road against Eagles, home against the Lions. They go to London and play the Saints. They don't have to play the Saints in New Orleans, which is huge. And then they're home against the Bears, and then they're at the Dolphins. So truly those first six games, if you look at it, if they can beat the Packers, you're looking at a chance to start 5-1, and 4-2, and two, which when you get off to that type of start, belief is set in, especially with the new coaching staff, and I think the ball can get rolling. Yeah, agreed, especially I think that the – the Packers matchup will be a really good one in terms of the Vikings for this season, just because 
obviously you mentioned Aaron Rodgers with that young receiver core. Um, as good of a quarter quarterback that Aaron Rodgers is, he's always struggled with rookies and newer, younger receivers. He's never been able to connect with them the way that he was able to connect with um, those older receivers. And so I don't think that the receiver situation in Green Bay will be like horrible this year. I think he's got some good players. I think they'll be fine ultimately, but I think that the Vikings get them at a point when they won't be in their rhythms. They won't have it figured out. And that's probably when the Vikings will be able to capitalize as in week one against them. No, that's a really good point. You know, it reminds me a lot of when, um, uh, like at the end of Tom Brady's career with the Patriots where, uh, you know, they drafted kill Harry, they, you know, and they tried a few different young receivers, but he just kept wanting to get kind of the older guys because, you just when you are such an old quarterback who knows where everyone's supposed to be in a specific instance to have a kid who's still trying to learn and pick that up, it could get frustrating. And then in those key spots, because that's one thing I, I don't think a lot of people understand, like really know when it comes to the game of football, when you get at that high of a level, it's not so much a quarterback drops back and uh, will look at it. will will read the defense and, and just kind of react as the play's going on. A lot of the time, and that does happen from time to time, but a lot of time with these quarterbacks like a Peyton Manning, when they get into rhythm, it's more about they understand what the defense is like more than likely going to do on a certain situation and on a look that they're giving pre-snap. And he reacts to it based on the, the movement of the first couple steps and puts the ball where it should be. So that's why timing is so important because a wide receiver within three seconds should be at this certain spot. It's not so much just reacting during the play. So all that said, when they don't trust their wide receivers are going to be in a certain spot, that's where you see them hold the ball. That's where you see them take sacks or not throw it or throw an interception because the guy's not where they're supposed to be according to that Hall of Fame quarterback. Exactly. And I think that that's where it always gets Aaron Rodgers is that he is such an – he's all about intelligence. I mean – even just listening to interviews of him, like it's all about the way that a play is set up and about the strategy behind it. And so I think that's why you can see him not being able to connect with those younger receivers is they're not as quick to think through the exact things that he's thinking through. And so he frustrates him and he, he kind of loses it there. Um, so not to oh, sorry. I was going to say not to dive too far in the green Bay Packers yet, but what excites you about like the defensive side of the Vikings and kind of the additions that they brought on with the new regime. Yeah, obviously the additions of like Zadarius Smith um, and we've got Jordan Hicks. I think that we've got a lot of the problem with the Vikings, as you mentioned, the past couple seasons has been defense in the last two minutes of games was giving up astronomical numbers. And it was just laughable, the amount of points that they were giving up right before halftime and right before the end of the game. And it was a lot of the time to their detriment. Um, I think that with the whole repositioning of everything, it's going to be exciting because one, the defense isn't going to be on the field as much is my prediction with the Vikings. I think that was one of the biggest problems is that with the Zimmer style of football that we were playing, how many times was it pass, pass, run, punt or run, run, pass, punt? Like it was just continuous, mm -hmm. same, the same strategy over and over again. Zimmer didn't trust Cousins and it was clear in the way that they played their games. They were always like reacting to situations rather than being proactive. And so this season, I think that it's going to be an exciting time to watch of Kirk Cousins getting more ball time. I know that Kirk Cousins has always been kind of a joke, a punchline for a lot of people in the NFL. But when you actually look at his stat line, he's actually a really impressive and precise quarterback. And so I'm interested to see what he what it looks like with him. 
with the new coaching staff, a new offense, more trust in our offense. I mean, we've got Justin Jefferson, we've got Adam Thielen, we've got all of these incredible players who can really make an impact. And so I think offense will be on the field more, which will be great for the defense to not have to fill as much time, which will make it so they're not as tired in those moments right before halftime. And hopefully um, that will result in big, big defensive plays like we are used to seeing the Vikings for a long time. I mean, all the way back to Purple People Eaters, the type of defense that the Vikings have been able to put together for history's past. Hopefully we'll see a return of that. Yeah, because it's interesting with the Vikings is, you know, obviously they finished last year 8-9, didn't have one season where they're over 500, right? They started the season with two heartbreaking road losses where they, uh, down the cook, fumbled in overtime when they were in field goal position pretty dang close to win the game against the Bengals. And then the week two where um, it was just pushed left, the the field goal, a game that you were actually at, Paige. Um, and... Uh, so they finished eight and nine. They lost five games in the NFL. They lost five games by four points or less, which is insane. And they only lost by eight one time. And that was the road game in Green Bay that Kirk Cousins missed because of COVID. Um, so truly, if you look at it, it's like they're 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 right there. They're on the precipice of success. I feel like that's why Quasi, when he came in, he said. I don't think we have to tear this down all the way to the bare bones. And that's very interesting when they asked him his, um, in his press conference, because there was a lot of guys in the Minnesota Vikings sports media, you know, that were saying trade cousins, tear this down to the bit bones, get draft picks. Let's kind of look towards the future, beat bad for a couple of years. And, you know, Quasey had a very interesting line where he talked about a competitive rebuild. Look, you know, there are certain people we have to move off of. There's certain people that we're going to have to look at and probably cut or trade. Uh, and we'll make smart analytical signings, but it doesn't mean that we have to go two and 15. You know, this team was really close. He does feel obviously by signing cousins that extension and bring him back for at least two more seasons. He feels that O'Connell can take cousins to the next level and cousins has been playing high level football. Like he said, he's a punchline for whatever reason, but at worst, he's a 15th quarterback and that's on his worst day. On his best day, he's crowding into the top eight or seven when he when he's on his game. And that was with Zimmer as his head coach, who, like you said, wanted to run the ball. And I know and we know better than anyone watching that over and over again. That first Detroit Lions game last year, we almost lost the game because we were trying not to lose it. And, and it just it, it, it just kind of fell apart there. The relationship never seemed to ever fall into place. So Kwesi is kind of betting on that O'Connell will unlock the next step, just like Sean McVay did with Matthew Stafford. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really, I, and that's the key is that I love that Kevin O'Connell was there for that Matthew Stafford turnaround. I mean, he leaves the Lions and wins a Super Bowl the next year. And so I think that it's awesome that Kevin O'Connell's coming off a fresh revamp of like, look what can happen when you take a quarterback with the skill and pair him with the right coach and give him the tools he needs. And the nice thing about the Vikings is that they don't necessarily have to go out and spend the type of money that the Rams did to bring in people to make it a successful season. Those were already kind of in like integrated into the Viking system. And so we'll be able to see our top performers. I mean, I just can't wait for opening Sunday to see Hunter and Smith on defense working together. I just can't wait to see how many times they're able to sack Aaron Rodgers and just put him <laughs> um, But just well, to see those two, I think we're going to see some awesome, I think we're going to see some awesome 
rushes on defense, a lot of blitzing that can be really exciting and see where the defense can get to a point where it's not just trying not to lose, but they're playing to win. Yeah. And that's, and that's, what's interesting is the, the line for the Vikings uh, win total is depending where you look seven and a half. Um, and if you just look at that soft opening schedule, if you look at the entirety of the schedule, all their big games are at home. You know, they play this year, they have to play, um the cardinals that's a home game that the the only one that isn't is the bills they have to go to buffalo but then they play the play patriots cowboys at home they play the colts at home and obviously all the division games so if you kind of look at the totality of their schedule it's a it looks like it sets up pretty nice for them really the hardest part obviously that buffalo game is going to be pretty tough in the middle of november and then it finishes out in the beginning of january at green bay and at chicago so those ones will be tough. You just hope you have enough separation where you don't have to go into Green Bay and win that game um, because playing in Green Bay is always tough. And playing in Chicago, you know, before Kirk Cousins arrived, where we won two of the last three years, we had never won in Chicago. Like, we never did. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the season plays out. So looking at to the – Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, should we do our predictions of high-low, like what we think? So I think, yeah, that's a good point. I think the the ceiling for the Vikings um, under the new head coach, I would put it at about 11 wins. I think 11 to 12 wins, win the division, but still be like the three or four seed. I think um, I, I, I still have genuine questions about the offensive line. Garrett Bradbury has um, done everything but impress uh, in camp. And, you know, there is questions about the secondary. As good as Patrick Peterson, you know, he wasn't, all world. He wasn't terrible. He was reliable. Um, and then Cameron Dan. So you just hope he could take the next step and they can have some solid schemes because that defense, while they've made improvements, we'll see, you know, there's no proof that they're going to be any better. You just hope that they are. I do believe that the signing is the Darius Smith and Daniel Hunter will help, but I think about 11 to 12 wins is, is kind of where they'll be sitting at that top. But I don't see the bottom falling out. I mean, Kirk Cousins, since he's been here, has never, I mean, as a quarterback, I mean, the worst you can suspect is about 500. I mean, when he was with the Washington uh, Commanders and since he's been with the Vikings, seven, eight wins is, I mean, the worst that it's going to get. So I think that's kind of the floor, seven to eight wins, the ceiling being about 11 to 12. I'm going to say floor nine, eight, uh, ceiling 13, four. There's that bias. I love it. <laughs> so talk, talking about the three-time defending NFC North champion sitting at a minus 190 for the Packers to win another NFC title. Obviously, the big talk being the departure of Devontae Adams, Christian Watson, and Romeo Dubes being um, some draft picks they picked up. And then, obviously, uh, the signing of Sammy Watkins to hopefully – and then, obviously, their um, – you know, their backfield to Aaron Jones and um, space in the, the dude with a huge size. Oh, crap. I'll, I'll bring back his name uh, for the Packers. The running backs, uh, really tough backfield. A.J. Dillon is his name, by the way. Um, really good running back tandem. They got a great head coach who in his three years has gone 13-3, and 13-3, and 13-4. and four. So a model of consistency. Um, really just comes down to you know they're going to be really good in the regular season. Aaron Rodgers has always been really good in the regular season, a four-time MVP. Luckily, it just comes sucks in the playoffs. 
Well, exactly, because the last two years having a home playoff games where they just, the odds were stacked in the favor, weather and everything of that nature, and couldn't get it done. Um, I just don't see a place where they replicate the 13 wins, but I also don't see a place where they fall much farther than nine, but I still think they scrap up 10. Yeah, I think a low for them would be nine, eight, and that's if I that's to me if they just can't get it figured out in the first few weeks and they have a few losses. I mean, we know Aaron Rodgers will always pick it up at the end of the season. Um, but potentially if they they could go on a run, they don't have a terribly difficult schedule. But I think like obviously the biggest ones being like the playing at the Bills is going to be really difficult one for them to win. Um, but yeah, I say I don't know, because my my thing is that with the Packers, I think that we with a head coach like Matt LaFleur and a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, I think a ceiling for them would be like 14 three um, and a, like the floor being nine eight just because if they can't get the wide receiver thing figured out. Um, it'll be interesting to see their defense. The interesting thing is like with the loss of Zadarius Smith, Zadarius Smith only played one game last year. And so I don't think that it's going to have as big of an impact on their defense as a lot of Vikings fans or even people in the NFL are going to. Obviously he mm -hmm. was a part of their defense the years before, but last year they didn't like they weren't horrible on defense and they didn't have him the like the basically the entire season and so it'll be interesting to see their how their defense flushes out this year i think that's one of the hardest things in the nfl is that there's just so much unknown because defenses who did really great one year can suck the next year even if it's the same players so it's always an exciting time to see how it flushes out yeah um, you know, for them, you know, when you talk about their schedule, they, you know, obviously we talked about they open with the Vikings, but then they're home against the Bears at the Bucks, which will be tough for them. Um, and then, but you know, Patriots, Giants, Jets, Commanders, Bills, Lions. Like you said, it's nothing that if you look, if you go down the list where they're not treading water initially, um, as, as they kind of find their rhythm with Aaron Rodgers in that wide receiving court. You know, that's why I go back to that week one game against the Vikings. If those two teams are going to be the teams competing for the for the title of the NFC North, I think that'll be a, a critical game, which is funny that it's week one because, you know, teams are still learning about themselves, but it could actually end up carrying a good amount of weight. Um, I, think the, I think the, the Packers played the way they did last year against the Saints week one. And oh, that'd be beautiful. That'd be beautiful. And it's interesting because a lot of these teams are electing not to play in the preseason, any of their starters. And, you know, that's what the Packers are deciding to do, uh, which, you know, obviously you see a Zach Wilson situation where you end up popping the MC, you know, spreading an MCL or scraping the meniscus. And you don't want to risk that with Aaron Rodgers, who's 38, you know, almost 40 years old. But at the same time, with so much newness around them, you have to expect at least a little bit of rust week one. And, you know, week two, three, and you, that's why you hope they just tread water until they eventually catch their groove and end up, you know, like you said, nine, ten wins. Yeah, and that's what I was interested to see if Matt LaFleur was going to have Aaron Rodgers play at least a couple snaps in the preseason just because of how they started off last year and this year they've got opener as a divisional game. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they just change any strategy there in terms of how they enter that game. Um, historically, I mean, we we both agree that like the preseason doesn't tell you a ton about football. Right. You don't really know. I mean, I think majority of it's for coaches to be able to wean down their rosters as they have to. 
Um, but it is fun to just make guesses off of preseason play, even though it generally doesn't have an impact. <laughs> right. Right. So for, you know, for the Packers, I, I think the ceiling is 13 wins uh, again, 13, you know, they've proven that they've done it the last couple of years. Do I expect a down year? I do, but I'm also biased. So 13 wins. I think that I think the floor is 10. I don't think they get much worse than 10. I think if the Vikings or another team wins that division, they're going to have to win 11, 12 games because I just don't see the Packers falling off that much. Stupid cheeseheads. What, what about you? My ceiling for the Packers is 14, three. Um, and my floor is nine, eight. Nine, eight. Okay. I respect it. Um, so looking at another team that seems, you know, you mentioned it, you know, in your kind of overview of the team is the the Bears, the Chicago Bears, which I'll be honest with you. Um, I think they're going to be absolutely terrible. Um, I think they didn't do anything that made you the polls and Everflus. So Ryan Poles coming from the Kansas City Chiefs, the new GM, Matt Everflus. He was the defense coordinator for the Colts. Kind of a really like surprising hire. He wasn't really on anyone else's radar. He wasn't getting interviewed by anyone. Came in with the Mikowski family and Ryan Poles and impressed them. And they hired him. Um, which, you know, Chicago, no matter how flash they try to get with uh, with their last um, head coach going offense, 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 it just is still a defensive team. It's just weird how teams have their identities and it's hard for them to ever get away from them. The Bears, so this is kind of a random stat, not to trash on the Bears, but just kind of show my point. Kirk Cousins' season last year would have been like 20, I think I read that was 21 different Bears single season records. Kirk Cousins last year would have set 21 different Chicago Bears quarterback records for a single season. Isn't that insane? I thought that was insane. That's insane. And all and and all the Viking fans want to just like trade him to the moon, but that's a whole nother story. So um so in, in this article kind of shares that um the Bears are the only current NFL franchise that have never had a QB throw for 4,000 yards. Think about that. Or has it had 30 plus touchdowns in the season? They're, they still haven't had a quarterback do that. It's so crazy to me. Um, and, and they didn't really do anything to kind of go back to my point before I went down that rabbit hole. I apologize. But they didn't do anything that shows me they believe that Fields is the guy that they want to stake their future in. Because if they did, they wouldn't have signed some veteran defensive lineman rotational pieces in the offseason. They would have went after, even if it's a Sammy Watkins or a Juju Smith-Schuster, maybe they're not, or, you know, they're not top-end talent-level guys, but they're more reliable. You know you could trust them for your, your rookie quarterback. So I just think that they they tore this thing down. They, these two guys want to have a down year. No, no one's ever going to say it, right? The Miami Dolphins things, they're not going to actually – have written documentation that say this, but it's just known that they want to go three and 14, uh, two and 15, four and 13, because the next crop of quarterbacks is projected to be pretty dang good. And and that's my best guess on what's going on here is that they, that if Justin Fields does go out and balls out, they say, okay, we didn't give him very much. This guy's good. Let's start building around him, but we're not going to invest 
to have him propped up by other pieces. Sorry for that rant, but that's just kind of my old view of the Bears. No, it's an interesting point, especially because, I don't know, I think the thing, too, is I think that that just kind of opens up a can of worms of talking about the strategy behind trying to get first-round picks of QBs when, uh, I mean, do we need to bring up Mitchell Trubisky? Like, it's, <laughs> it's the strategy that the Bears want to take of, like, could have had Patrick Mahomes took Mitchell Trubisky. And, like, yeah. the difference is there. And so it's interesting, too, of, like, the drafting of quarterbacks is such a, a luck of the draw. And so I think it's a risky game to play to kind of try to just build an entire season around. We want to get like the first opportunity with quarterbacks coming out of college. And so that's a really interesting point. But two, I do think it it does prove like they did. They really didn't pick up a ton of manpower. I mean, even my closest friends that are bears fans and talking to them like bears fans don't even have hope at this point. Like they're just like, we know that this season's going to suck. They're not getting us the additions that we need. And so it's interesting to see. I'm like, I don't know the entire city of Chicago, but for the bears fans, I do know even among the team, even among the fans, it's kind of like, they don't have a ton of faith in this season. And so I think that'll have a major impact on the organization in totality of like if the city doesn't like if the city of Chicago and its fans don't feel like they're rebuilding around the person that's going to take them that far, then it'll be interesting to see the kind of effect that that has on the team as a whole. Um, but I mean, looking at their schedule, uh, kind of a little bit rougher, like not, maybe not the toughest schedule for anyone, but I do think it's a little bit of a tough schedule specifically for the Bears, opening with the Niners, then having to play the Packers. Um, and then you've got the Vikings and the Patriots, the Cowboys, all of these teams that I think will most likely rip on the Bears. I think that the one team in the division that they can kind of expect to be, I mean, I think that the Bears and Lions are always like the most a little bit split. Um, in terms of wins. And then obviously I think the bears have hurt the Vikings a lot of times in the past. And so I could see a odd split there um, just because the Vikings can find any way to lose, but it's like the Vikings have the curse of field goals and Chicago, when you're bringing up all those stats, Chicago has the curse of the quarterbacks. They just have never been able to get a quarterback that could be consistent and good for that team. Yeah. And it's a very interesting, you know, Matt Nagy, uh, their last head coach, um, was pegged as his offensive guru and Andy Reid disciple. And, you know, he just could never really get things going. They had that one year with uh, Trubisky, but it was mostly about the defense. You know, so some of these bear betting odds, you know, they're just kind of funny. Uh, they're over win total of six and a half. Um, so that's where the line's at. They're to make the playoffs are plus 310. To win the NFC North are plus Depending on where you look, they could be plus 900 or all the way up to plus 15,000, depending on where you kind of get your numbers. And to win the Super Bowl, they're plus 10,000. So they are near the bottom in every one of those betting props um, on their success this season. So I, I, I think that they're in a spot where they just want to see what they have at Fields without actually trying. It's one of those, it's kind of the kind of the backwards way of saying, you know, we're giving you a chance this year. There's no one over your shoulder, but, you know, you got Byron Pringle and uh, and Velvis Jones as your receiving options. No offense to them. They're NFL athletes, but they're not guys that are going to help take a top off of defense. So it's going to be very interesting if you're a Bears fan. Uh, so for me, the, the guesstimation, I think, I think the, the ceiling for them the top and uh, 
watch us be so wrong, but I think the top is five wins. I think, yeah. I think five, I think the five and 12 is the best that they'll be able to do. And then I think that the ceiling or the floor is one and 16, two and 14. I think it's hard for a team to go. I mean, look at the Lions. They were 0 and 13 and they, they won three games in the year. So it's hard for NFL teams to be stayed to stay down that long. But I do think it could be a really rough year in Chicago. Chicago. Well, I have a little bit more hope in them just because I, I, I have not given up on uh, Justin Fields yet. I think that he has a lot of potential to be a good QB. So I'm interested to see him as QB one. Um, so my my ceiling for the Bears is eight and nine and my floor is five and twelve. Okay. Wow. Wow. You do have a lot more hope. <laughs> well, I just I just have a hope that the NFC North they'll always be able to, to pull a couple wins out of the Lions and the Vikings. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> I, they'd probably go two fifteen because of me. The two wins will be against the Vikings. That'll <laughs> uh, probably be what it is. All right, ready to talk about Dan Campbell or I guess the Lions organization? Even though we'll probably just want to focus. Man, Campbell. <laughs> He's an OG. What do you think about the Lions? I think that uh, the Lions have the kind of the best squad that they've had in a really long time. Um, and so I think that I think that this is good. I think this is an exciting year for the Lions. I don't I obviously don't think that they are going to be playoff contenders or Super Bowl champions this year. But I do think um, with the additions of Deshaun Elliott, Gerard Davis, Mike Hughes, Garrett Griffin. I think with those additions, as well as Dan Campbell as a as a head coach, um, I think that we're going to see them go and be a lot more competitive than they have. Even last year, in like that horrible season, I can't even remember how many losses they had before they finally won a game. Um, but they they had a lot of very close games too in terms of there was game I mean heartbreaker week one where it was like this random act of God that made it so that they didn't win that game and so I think that they were they were competitive in some ways just because of the how the players want to play for Dan Campbell um and so I think this year with the additions that they've got I think that now that they've had that first year under the belt of Dan Campbell that this is a good opportunity for the Lions to just continue to build um, I don't think that they're going to be insane, but I do think that they're going to have some um, upset wins against some good teams that aren't expecting them to ball out when they do. Yeah, I think um, if you want to make a fun bet that the Lions are plus 1,000 um, and sometimes in other places a little bit more to win the NFC North, but um, they – they, you know, they could easily finish above 500. They play the Jets, Giants, Panthers, Jaguars, and Commanders. And they obviously have Chicago twice. And then they play the Vikings, Dolphins, and Seahawks. And the Vikings, they just always seem to play really tough. So that's 10 contests where you look at it, they should be no worse than very competitive. And if a few things, like you said, when Justin Tucker hit that 66-yard field goal to beat them um, at uh, in Detroit, where that was the longest field goal of all time, if something like that doesn't happen, you could look at a scenario where they finish 10-7 if they have a couple things bounce their way. Um, not saying that I think they will. I think that it'll be kind of a uh, like 8-9, 7-10, 9-8 type of season. But if a few things go their way and they start having belief and Jared Goff 
you know, start slinging the ball around really a little bit with uh, Mon St. Brown. And then Jameis Wilson is going to be coming back at some point in the middle part of the season, the draft pick from Alabama. You're looking at a team that could be a lot of fun and their schedule favors them to have just a good kind of growth year in the second year of Dan Campbell. So I like the, I like the lines. I think, I think there's a lot of things to like about them um, in terms of not anywhere a playoff contend in a playoff, um, you know, threat in terms of winning a couple of games, but I think making the playoffs is not far fetched on this team. Yeah. Especially we failed to mention Deandre Swift too. I mean, one of the best all purpose oh. in the league and with Jared Goff, I mean, everyone talks about Matthew Stafford making that switch from the lions to the Rams and winning the super bowl as we should. But I also think that Jared Goff didn't have a great year last year, but it's funny. Cause it's like, well, he went from the Rams to the lions. And so right. the type of change that that had to be for him. And so I'm, I'm, interested in seeing i think we're going to see jared goff a little bit more calm in the pocket um and a little bit more trusting of his team and i think that that's going to be good things for them on offense for the lions yeah no i uh yeah so i think i think like i said i think the ceiling is 10 and 7 um for me and then i think the floor is um you know it's still the lions so it's hard to ever say the floor isn't super low but probably four or five wins i think that they're a better team than last year uh so i think that'll show uh but yeah about four or five wins is the floor the ceiling about 10 if everything goes the way about 11 but i i would be very very surprised if they if they notched 11 wins well i've just got more hope in the entire nfc than you do nfc north (laughs) ceiling for the lines is 11 11 wins losses My floor for them is seven wins, ten losses. Wow. You don't think that you don't think the bottom can fall out. It's the Lions page. No, I think I think the Bears, I think the Bears are gonna be fourth in the division. I think Lions I do too. Hit it at I do too. Place. Um, but yeah, I think that with the Lions schedule, I think that they can easily not easily, I'm not gonna say easily because it's the Lions, but I do think they have the opportunity to win at least seven games based on their schedule. I like it. I like it. So I mean that that kind of wraps up the NFC North. I, I do think I do think it'll be a dog fight between the pack personally between the Packers and the Vikings. Um I think they both will finish around the same win total um and a few tiebreakers scenarios here here and there that will end up deciding uh the division. I think the Lions will be competitive. Um and I think the Bears will be a dumpster fire. That's kind of my synopsis of, of the entire division. We're agreed on the NFC North. Skull Vikings. Let's win. Uh, Later this week, we will release our episode on the AFC North. So we'll talk about last year's AFC champion, Cincinnati Bagels, what we expect to see from them. The Pittsburgh Steelers with Kenny Pickett and Mitchell Trubisky battling it out in the preseason, Lamar Jackson and his quirky deadline of a new contract and him being a lame duck this year at quarterback. And then the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns can never do anything right. So we'll review the or preview the AFC North and give you our predictions for where that will stand. But our final prediction, as biased as possible, the Minnesota Vikings winning the NFC North in 2022. Skull. Skull. <laughs> Tune in later this week for another episode of His and Hers.